Ladies and gentlemen, we have now entered the third month of 2023. Can you believe it? Can you believe it's already happening? And we've entered March. Where does the time go? I don't know. Cocaine? Flies away. Like cocaine bear? Oh, yep. Good reference. Yeah, I know. People like cocaine. Uh Uh-oh. Like people like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. Here we go. Another tangent. I actually have not yet to see cocaine bear, Ben. Um, Oh, okay. Have you seen it? Yeah, I did. How was it? Uh, Cocaine's a hell of a drug. No. um, It was... It was uh, experience for watching those uh, Chappelle skits. Um, yeah, it was it was really funny at some parts, and then it gets a little little over the top for me in other parts. So, but but it was a full house in the theater. I'll tell you that. So that was good to see, and helps with the enjoyment some. Yes, the theater yeah. experience. If you have a packed house for a comedy, it yep. definitely helps. Yep. That definitely helps. So I'm going to try to a good time with it. Yeah. But you know what, Ben? Mm-hmm. Good times are going to get ready to be had because March is a hell of a month for content. Mm-hmm. So let's break down. Oh, by the way, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Infinity Film Podcast. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Roger Cliptrack. And then, of course, there's Benjamin Saunders. Howdy. Right over there in North Carolina. Yeah, he's smiling with his cocaine. So he didn't deny it. Don't be, don't be spreading rumors. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, it was, no. It's it was from Larry's Fried Chicken's movie blog. Sugar. <laughs> That's right. Larry's back. Bring it anyway, back. March is a packed, packed month. Not just for movies, but for shows as well. Because, Ben, this week, our good friend Mando and Baby Yoda. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. sorry. Grogu. Grogu, thank you. Has returned. Are, are returning this week, and I cannot wait. Just back. Good Star Wars is back. Hopefully, good Star Wars is back. So yeah, we got Star Wars coming out this week. But Ben, there's a shit ton of stuff, other stuff coming out mm-hmm. in the month of March. Let's take a look at the movies first. Okay, right. Creed three. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, no, you haven't watched this movie, so you can't even. I am it. in the middle of Creed right now, having oh, just watched oh. all six Rocky movies over the weekend. And, and? Oh, it's really good so far. Yeah. Okay, good. Oh, I said halfway. I'm really like 20 minutes in. Uh, but yeah, already good, better than half the Rocky movies. <laughs> uh, I would say. Of their time. Of their time. Like most of them, actually, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway. So. Uh, but yes, so we have Creed 3, which is my, my number four most anticipated movie of the year. So I'm look, very much looking forward to seeing the trilogy continue. Mm-hmm. But also this week, Guy Ritchie returning to theaters with Operation Fortune. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? Whatever. I don't really care. Operation Fortune. You know, I'm going to go see it Sunday afternoon. So I'm curious to see what it's about. Guy Richie, so mm-hmm. go either way. Could be good, could be bad. Yep. His last movie I enjoyed very much, Wrath of Man. I, I had a fun, I had a ton of fun with that. Hella violent, hella dark. I was like, holy shit! Even for a Guy Richie, this is pretty. Uh, this is pretty grim here. Hmm. Oh, you, I'm guessing you haven't seen Wrath of Man. Yet. No. You have two years to watch Wrath of Man. You're watching Rocky Six. Anyway, so. 
All right, Operation Fortune. That's that's just this week, though, guys. Next week. Oh, that's right, but you don't, you're not looking forward to this, but I am. Scream Six is out next week. So my so, so very looking forward to this. Because Scream Five, I thought, was a lot of fun. And uh most of the cast is coming back. What's some new additions, Ben? You know, Samara Weaving. Hayden mm-hmm. Pantier is coming back mm-hmm. as well. Tony Ravioli is also coming back. I like saying ravioli. I know with, ravioli, but I like saying ravioli. It's just with the formioli. With the formulae, but yes. you know, he doesn't like it when you include that in his name. Oh, okay. Just ravioli. Okay, so here's hoping Scream Six is uh, it's also the longest of the franchise. I think like oh, great! So can't wait, can't wait for all the fun. But also next week is the terrible-looking action movie with Adam Driver, sixty-five. <laughs> why is this movie even coming out? Yeah. Uh, and the- yeah. yeah, I haven't watched the full trailer yet. Actually, you don't want to. So. It's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's awful. It's awful. But the following week, we have another comic movie, Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Also, that week on Hulu is the Boston Strangler with Karen Knightley. Now, this looks a little fascinating, based on a true story, I believe. So, um. I can't remember the other person. I just watched a trailer like this morning, too. I'm already forgetting the person she's uh, co-starring with. But we just did an episode on Karen Knightley. Mm-hmm. We always talk about how underrated she is because she is very un- much underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, this bed looks pretty, pretty good, though, in the words of Larry David. So cool. I, I can't wait to look. I can't wait to watch this. I'm not going to be surprised if I'm watching this before I see Shazam Fury of the whatever. <laughs> I, I saw a poster for this and didn't actually realize exactly what it was or that it was Carrie coming Coon. out so quick. So, oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Who doesn't love Carrie Coon? I love her. She's fantastic. I think the first thing I ever saw Carrie Coon and then was actually Gone Girl, if I'm not mistaken. That might have been the first thing I ever saw her in. I guess that would have been me, too. I can't remember if she was in something before that. No, no, no. I think she did a lot of TV before Gone Girl, I think. So. Boston Strangler takes place in the 60s. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah it, it looks really good. I mean, I, I recommend watching the trailer and say it looks interesting. It's got a really good cast. I mean, like I said, Knightley Coon and also Chris Cooper. So, I mean, oh, who yes. Who doesn't love Chris Cooper? I mean, come on, guys. Nobody. We all know what the better movie is going to be that weekend. <laughs> so, but moving on. That following weekend, Ben, our man's back. John Wick. I'm gonna need a gun. And you're gonna need to not get a large drink because it's <laughs> almost three hours long. Ooh. Which has me worried. Yeah. But at the same time, John Wick killing fools for three hours sounds hella entertaining as well. <laughs> yep. So there must be a lot of world building if this movie's three hours, which I'm happy about because we got a lot of world building in the third movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it looks like he's going back to the desert. Again, yeah, yeah. So, another globe trying to adventure for John Wick, which I'm happy about. I'm happy to see the world of the Continental Expand. Maybe even an Anna de Armas cameo. Maybe that would be cool. You know, I did see her first in War Dogs, but <laughs> yes, I have heard that. Oh, I didn't know if you knew. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just... once okay. or twice. Yeah, but also that weekend, Ben, a good person comes out with Florence Pugh and Morgan Freeman, directed by Florence's ex. Uh, Boyfriend Zach Braff. 
I did not know about that. Okay. Yes. It actually looks kind of interesting. Huh. So, you know, if you can't get into Dogma Chapter 4, go support Morgan Freeman and Florence Peele. Mm-hmm. No behind-the-scenes drama this time. And then, of course, the following week, there's Dungeons and, Dungeons and Dragons, but who really, I mean, who really gives a shit? Right. Yeah, you know, that first trailer was, was kind of fun, and then I saw the full second trailer recently, and uh, Justice Smith is in it. But no, not just him. The the script did you not seem that, that good. In his defense, he was just in a movie called uh, Sharper last month on Apple TV+. Mm. Plus. Mm-hmm. Very good movie. And he was actually one of the stronger, stronger points of that movie. So he's like in the first half and the last half. But in what he's in, really good. It's just what they give him to do. It's a little ridiculous in the end. Oh, we're getting okay. spoilers because there's like... Yeah. Plot twist after plot twist every freaking minute. It's like shit. <laughs> I like digest what we just saw, but anyway. Then we have a couple of uh streaming movies also. Murder Mystery 2. Oh yeah. Why? I don't know. But uh because. Exactly. Vacation. Or also Tetris. It's coming on Apple yeah. TV Plus. I mean, look, Apple TV Plus just keeps putting out banger after banger. I mean, they I don't think I've ever watched something that was bad from Apple TV Plus, honestly. Nope. Can't think about anything. So, I mean, that's just movies, Ben. Mm-hmm. Streaming. Mm-hmm. Mando, Ted Lasso, Season 3, March 15th. Yes. The new trailer came out this week, and there's like three words spoken, and I thought it was one of the best streaming trailers I've ever seen in my entire life. I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't watch it. Uh, I mean, it's no word for spoken. It's just, you know, going, it's like a sizzle reel with no foot, with no speaking. Huh. Okay. It's wonderful. It just brings back that spirit of Tell that you love. Yeah. Nice. And uh, Nate is a jackass, Mm -hmm. I'll say. Mm Mm-hmm. Figures. And then on March 26th, something interesting is happening. Two hit shows are premiering on the same day on different platforms. Succession, Season 4 on HBO Max on March 26th. I'm finally catching up on Season 3. And Yellow Jacket Season 2, which I'm almost done with the first season. And let me tell you something. If you aren't watching Yellow Jackets, do yourself a favor and watch Yellow Jackets. Ben, that is one of the best ensembles put together for a show in recent memory. I'd say that, that Ted Lasso, Euphoria, and probably and probably Last of Us. Yeah, this is some of the best. I mean, it's hard with Last of Us because, like, the ensemble. It's really just it's kind of weekly. Yeah, up, but yeah. it's like yeah, it's like a supporting character of the week kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's without getting the spoilers on why. It's just it's just kind of how it's structured, but. I mean, speaking of The Last of Us, though, uh, I don't know a show that has been better in the past 27 years I've been alive. Um, (laughs) I continue to just have a loss of words, Ben, for how magnificent this show is. And this is actually probably my least favorite episode of the series. And yet... I still would give it like a nine and a half out of ten. That's how <laughs> damn sh- good this show has been. It has been just banger after banger after banger. Mm-hmm. And like Ben and I were saying off camera, or off camera, before we started recording. Yeah. 
I haven't gone a week without crying. Just haven't. I I really I, just, I can't go a week without crying. I mean that that's how the game was, both games, and that's yeah. how this show has gone. I mean, I still think the best episode, Ben. Okay, there's two differences. I think my favorite episode was the uh, Sam and Henry. That's my favorite episode of the season. I think the best is still the. I just want to say Ron Swanson, but the Nick Offerman <laughs> episode. Yeah, the Bill and Mary episode. I mean, the the surprise of that one too for being such a departure from the game. Uh, I mean, along with everything so else, more but, emotional depth. Yeah, to, I mean, it's just yeah. I'm at a loss of words for how outstanding of a show The Last of Us truly is. I'm not saying that's my favorite show of all time, but Ben, by the time the series is over, it's going to be in my top 15 shows mm-hmm. of all time easily. Mm-hmm. It's, I wouldn't even need a second season. <laughs> I don't want it. What happens. <laughs> oh, I know you don't. Yeah. But I, yeah, Bravo it's, to HBO. It's, it's I'm, incredible. I'm just, and look, I'm looking forward to Mando this week and Secret Invasion whenever that comes out this year and Loki and Yellow Jackets and Succession, all that stuff. Nothing's nothing's touching this, I don't think, this year. No. Nothing, nothing's touching the last of us this year. Now the comic book side of me, Ben, will be have a hard time because Secret Invasion I've been looking looking forward to right. a lot. So I'm gonna have that struggle for six weeks. Six <laughs> weeks. Oh my god. But yeah, there's, there's, I don't think there's a show better right now on television the past couple of years. It's the last of us. I'm nope. just very, very impressed. Yep, I agree. And the, the show is. Yeah, even when it does, I mean, like we said, the, the game, of course, is so good on its own. But even when it does follow really closely to the games, which this last week we said kind of does a lot, um, it's still, you know, the the best actors bringing in that music. And and staged everything so well. It's it's still very good. Can't say enough about it. So Ben, I'm gonna go back for our question of the day here. Yep. It's kind of a it's an interesting one. Of mm-hmm. the movies I listed out. If you remember all of them. So let's just say Creed Three. Let's say Creed Scream, Shazam, John Wick, Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons. Of those which do you think will be the highest grossing of the month of March? Ooh. My money actually is going to Scream 6. Oh, really? I think I I think, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be John Wick. But I, I think with the, how popular the last Scream was, I think Scream 6 has a chance. But I think John Wick is just still more popular right now. I think yeah. They'll probably make the most money, but the three-hour runtime for an action movie like that, I, I don't know. I don't know. So yeah, that's true too. Yeah, my my gut instinct was uh, <clears throat> my gut instinct was John Wick. Um, with like you said, the popularity. Yeah, hopefully the runtime doesn't scare off people. But I mean, this is the fourth movie. I feel like it it's won't. built up. Look at Avatar. Enough base too. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's true. But word of mouth too. If it's really good, uh, we'll get around. Exactly. That's the key word. What is the word of mouth? Because the word of mouth is very positive. This movie's going to make a shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. If it's not, it'll still make money. It's John Wick. But, you know, I've got faith. It's just like, let's just see how that runtime story. Yep. So John Wick is not a whole lot of story in those movies, except for the first one. 
The first one still has the best story. Yeah. For as simple as it is, it's effective. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so guys, March is going to be a fantastic month. And yes. I look forward to talking about all these movies with you guys. I can't wait to see Creed 3 this weekend when I get back from Indianapolis and Scream next week and Boston Strangler and that Shazam movie. I mean, just just a lot of good stuff coming out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. Looking forward to it. But that's yep. not our topic of conversation today. Our topic of conversation, speaking of The Last of Us being one of the best shows of the decade, maybe. That's our topic of conversation today. It's the best of the the decade. Movies, not shows. We're not ready for that yet, and we never will be. But, you know, we went through COVID then. Yep. We got through COVID, we think. (laughs) A lot of 2020 was just sitting around watching movies on streaming. And that was fun. Mm -hmm. When we got back to the movies. The movies. Back to the movies. Yeah. It was wonderful. And then 2022, it seemed like things were starting to get back to normal. Excuse me, for the most part. Is this the year, Ben, that 2023, we see the 2019 in terms of box office success? Because remember, 2019, 2019, 2019 <laughs> was a very successful year for the box office. Yep. I think 2023 will have similar numbers. I don't know if it's going to match 2019 because, you know, that was. Endgame, Lion King, Toy Story 4, Captain Marvel, <laughs> Far From Home. I mean, Disney, that's, pretty much. Yeah, Disney, everything. Yeah. With Sony wrapped around in there somewhere. Yeah. Frozen 2. So, I mean, it was just <laughs> a packed, packed year for, for, for Disney. <laughs> well, even even though, like, Godzilla, Godzilla 2 came out, made a lot of money in 2019. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. A lot of shit came out that year. It was a fun year, Ben. It was a fun year. Yeah. I think the twenty twenties has been a fun, fun start. Mm-hmm. A lot of good stuff. So we're gonna talk about it in all its great detail. So what Ben and I did, we compiled a list of our own making of ten of our top ten, uh, almost the most anticipated, our top ten favorite movies of the decade so far. Now. When we put an asterisk, we are leaving out 2023. Now, mm-hmm. to be fair, though, nothing would have made the list in 2023 so far. Maybe one. Maybe one. But nothing has really crossed that threshold of, yeah, that deserves to be in the top 10. But I will say, you know, in terms of 2023, Missing is still my favorite movie of the year so far. I love that movie so much. Um, speaking of Storm Reed, I, yeah, she's just fantastic <laughs> in that movie. Uh, I can't wait to see what else she does in her career, man. She's doing really, really well for herself. But mm-hmm. we are solely focused on 2020, 2021, and 2022 for this episode. So with that being said, Ben, of course. Oh, you guys, first of all, you guys know how this works. We start all the mentions, our 10 through 6s, our 5 through 2s, and our number 1s. So, Ben, without further ado, you are up first. Your honorable mentions. Okay. I will pick out a few. Like we were saying before, uh before we started recording, that this was a an incredibly hard list to do. Um even though, you know, we've done the our top tens of each year, 
episodes, which I went back and listened to some of that. <laughs> some some things have changed, and ranking you know enjoyment versus what we think are like the best movies of the year, awards wise or whatever was was hard. So anyway, this is really tough. Um, okay, I have several here. I'll pick out a few. Uh, the Nighthouse, I think, deserves a mention. The acting um, and the really interesting story, but like we said, the before the ending was uh, just kind of abrupt and weird. But yeah, a little too uh, weird. Uh, the rest, the rest of that movie. Yeah, was. yeah. Uh, I have a soul on here. Soul, I. Yeah, you too. Yeah. No, well, it's an album mention, but I. The first time I watched that movie, man, I just every time I think about it, I just cry because yeah. that movie is just so powerful. It's yep. a good movie, which makes it a little harder for me to go back and rewatch a ton. Uh, but yeah, it is the the music and story and everything is really really good. Uh, let's go with Promising Young Woman. I really wanted that to make the top ten, but it didn't for me. Um, Carrie Mulligan gives an incredible performance, and we'll hear uh, that movie. Okay. Somewhere in my tangent today. Okay. Tangent. Okay. Good. Uh, and the Mitchell's verse machines. That was a that was a fun one. Um, I was big on making your list actually. Oh yeah. I was big on making your list. You love that movie a lot. I do. I do. But yeah, just just missed out. And then the one that I'm kind of most mad at that it, that it missed out but I, I don't know these, these other ones that just kind of eked out a little higher uh no time to die because i do have some some little nitpicks with it uh i do i love the ending it's incredibly emotional i was even just listening to music from it the other day the final ascent and it, it made me tear up i was but, actually watching that in uh, new orleans last week oh yeah, yeah i was watching the hotel room one one morning nice. I was like, you know what I got some time to kill much no time to die. Yeah. Man, that movie. So good. Yeah. Like you. Probably Malik. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> eh. Eh. Very, very, very weak Bond film. Might be the weakest of the Craig franchise, honestly. Ah, Dominic Green. I mean, that movie's just forgettable overall. Uh, so, yeah. I mean. I, Christoph Watts is even better. All he does is sit around and yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not my Blofeld, but he was still really good. Yeah, but yeah, those, those are a few for me. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Callback. What you got? Oh, I'll see mine after you go through your ten through six. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, I've done this before. All right, number ten. <laughs> Uh, after dark kind of it is uh all right number 10 817 <laughs> it's dark here man uh we're looking at the same sun what am i talking about all right number 10 all right stack cocaine's in yeah uh, cocaine bear not a sponsor go see it number 10 is where i have one night in miami uh this one i think i watched right after we made our top 10 list for that year. And I was so mad because I wanted to include it on there, but yeah, for a directorial debut of uh, Regina King, 
it's uh it's incredible adapted from stage and i mean i guess you feel it because there's only a few locations at the hotel but there's you know flashbacks and stuff too and it uh it is so good so cassius clay sam cook jim brown and malcolm x are all there in uh in miami one night and it's really just them talking the whole time but the conversations they get into with arguments and and then building each other up is uh was fascinating to watch and introduced me to Kingsley Benadir and uh I think Aldous Hodge too. I've probably seen him in other stuff, but his name popped out there. You've definitely seen him before. Yeah. He's just always kind of like that face that pops up and stuff, but like now he's becoming a household name a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That's when I put his name on the map, I guess, for me. Um so yeah. Maybe not uh chronolog in cr- chron- <laughs> chronological order of uh, real-time events but it works for the for the drama uh number nine this one i was thinking about the other day when to rewatch, and i was just remembering how awesome this movie was uh awesome in terms of performances and dramatic story uh sound of metal riz ahmed was so good in this um and i, I looked back in my review too and I was like, uh, the last thing I guess I'd seen him in was Venom. And I was like, I need to get that bad taste out of my mouth. And he goes all in on this role. Uh, one of my favorite roles uh, of his. And it dealing with music, too. You know how much I like music. Uh, it's heavy metal, which isn't no, one of my favorite no genres. But... I, have, I have no clue like music. Man. Yeah, I do. Um it's it's a yeah I, I like music uh but yeah <laughs> he's a drummer hardcore drummer and loses his hearing and it, it the movie still had more twists and turns than i thought it would and surprising uh emotional moments um as well and shout out to paul racy is that how you say it rocky I yeah forget. yeah he stole the show for me in that movie, man. Mm. He was really, really good. And I thought it was a good character. So I wasn't in love with him like a lot of other people were, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's just hard for me to go back and watch yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. Um, But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been wanting to go back and rewatch it recently. I think I will soon. Okay, number eight. This is where we start getting into 2022 movies, which I enjoyed thoroughly. Uh, right now, after having seen it once, an incredible theater experience is Babylon, which I know is real. Uh, I feel like I've seen a lot of praise on it more recently uh, on, on the Instagram community, but it does have that yep. real low tomato score. <laughs> I mean, I get it. It's wild. Mm-hmm. It's and it, it is kind of, on rewatches. I've noticed it can be a bit scattered. Okay, I'm afraid of that. Yeah, all like all over the place. Yeah. But if you're a movie lover, you I mean, how can you not just love this, like fall in love with this movie? Mm-hmm. Kind of like the film is. I'm not as strong as the film is as others. I still think it's wonderful, fantastic, but borderline masterpiece. I'm just not like on that next level, like one of Spielberg's best, right? Yeah. I'm gonna send my thoughts on Babylon for later. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. 
but yeah, incredible performances all around. Uh, we, I always got to shout out that Margot Robbie scene when she's uh, on on that set for the first time, and uh, the the single tear, and then her going back and forth with uh, Samara weaving too, is just so good. Watching, I mean, it's like meta watching them film a movie in a movie, and and seeing actors act so so good. Um, yeah, the only thing the the last like third slows down a little bit for me oh, the movie montage that um, that that too yeah that, I, uh, what's his uh, face Damien Chazelle just couldn't help himself with I mean Jesus fucking I mean we saw Avatar yeah in that montage what the hell was that about wow. yeah yeah that's I, we, look, the, we get the point of that montage but still what the hell yeah the uh, yeah the flashes of like red green and blue and going back and forth because it's like the you know main I don't even know TV colors or whatever that's true screens but uh that's fantastic my, and it, my sister uh, thought that something was wrong with the screen oh, yeah? <laughs> at the theater. she's like there's something yeah. i was like nope it's this part of the movie that that's it yeah that that was that i love that but yeah seeing avatar pop up there's kind of kind of weird um but anyway and then uh the the score is incredible one of the best scores of maybe the best score on this list oh but this ain't not a lot not a last year that belongs to the batman okay okay uh, TBD. TBD number seven, the Banshees of Anna Sharon. I really enjoyed this one. I know more than you. Yep, he's r- nodding. Rod is nodding. Um, performances again all around. Uh, the uniqueness of the story was so good, and um, Barry Keoghan is uh, just on another level. We've seen him play this kind of quirky character before he's really good at it but i don't know i just I'm felt like i'm a sacred deer <clears throat> yeah sorry I had a yeah off there <laughs> sorry you had to take yourself off me to cough okay i did sorry <laughs> yeah no i got you um but i don't know i just i just felt for his character so much here especially that conversation with the uh another incredible actor carrie condon um on the near the near the the lake or over there Oh yeah, it's just so it good. Was so good that movie, man. Yep. <laughs> I feel like any other year that didn't have Angela Bassett, she might have probably won that award. And she's still very mock up because for some yeah. reason, uh Sack decided to give Jamie Curtis an award. <laughs> I knew movie. you would bring that up. What the hell? Just what? But, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, I agree. But yeah. Um You're gonna give it to her, give it to Stephanie Sue. I mean, what the oh yeah, yeah. Anyway. Okay. So yeah, but it went some dark places too <laughs> that I didn't expect, but uh, another um, theater experience. Like, uh, leaving the theater, I uh, had a had a lot to think about, and that always is a sign of a good movie. Number six, this one kind of surprised me, but thinking back on it, I was like, "Yeah, I really do like this one a lot." Haven't gone back to rewatch it, um, but I think it will hold up. This is where I have a Quiet Place Part Two. <laughs> For being a sequel, I'm sorry. What? Yeah, yeah. For being a sequel to uh, a crazy, unique uh, horror movie, I think it upped the ante. I, I said walking out of the theater, I liked it better than the first one. Um, and at least it, it's more action than the first one too. Um, but I don't well, know. That... Yeah, I give you that. It's more entertaining. But it, yeah, it's it's. 
I, I compare it to like the Deadpool one and Deadpool two, right? I think like Deadpool one, I think a Quiet Place one has a better story. Yeah. But like Deadpool two, Quiet Place two has a better action and yeah. it's more entertaining and funnier. No, just Deadpool two. Yeah. Funnier. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. A lot of jokes in a Quiet Place part two. A lot of yeah. jokes. Um, that prologue though, man, is one of the best prologues in, I in recent memory, man. I awesome. Awesome. So and it feels like like realistic. It's it's like kind of quiet you know when everyone's realizing what's going on and then and then gets crazy quiet place yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. um yeah the the acting all around so good um killian murphy coming in was fantastic yes uh the the score is really good too um and oh the i saw another movie recently that that did this and made me think of this movie too uh, good memory it was the the cutback of the tension building scenes where it's two characters completely different locations but it's building up the tension of both and it cuts back and forth real quick and then uh action explodes oh it's just so it's so good so good um see so yeah, i i surprised myself with that one for for entertainment value plus the memory of uh going back to the theater because that was one of the first if not the first uh, watch after the theaters opened. Yeah, I'm yeah. really shocked by that one. Yeah. So they did I wow. But hey, you mentioned my homegirl and Emily Blunt, so you, you did good. You did good. Yeah, you earned yeah. your chips the whole way for today. Good, good. Okay. My turn. This was tough, Ben, like we were saying, and I had to leave some films off. Tenet, getting to my honorable mentions. I love that movie a lot more than other people do. Uh, I rewatched this movie multiple times, and it still confuses me at points. Although I am able to kind of wrap my head around at the end of what's going on, but no one just knows how to continue to test the audience without annoying them to a point, right? It's still yeah. making them fun, engaging experiences, and great performances. I loved Kenneth Branagh's kind of just cartoony villain. Yeah. It's very it's very cartoony, but it works for this movie. I just wish I got a chance to see it in theaters. Don't Look Up, another movie I liked a lot more than other people did. Mm-hmm. Was hoping this movie would make my list. Might be the most divisive movie, one of the one of the more divisive movies of the 2020s so far because there's a camp that really likes it and there's a camp that just downright hates this movie for whatever reason. I have no idea why. But, you know, don't those people are crazy. Benjamin Saunders was one of them. But you know, hey, I like Don't Look Up. Great ensemble put together. Great social commentary. It gets a little preachy. I am not gonna disagree with anyone who says that because. There's moments where I'm like, okay, no, we get it. Because you said that 20 minutes ago, and then you said it again, the previous scene, and you're saying it again now. So don't look up. A lot of fun still. Kate Blanchett, man. Just, God, I love her so much. Man. She's so good in that movie. Her and Tyler Perry. I could do, like, I wish I like created like a YouTube channel just for them doing, like, those new sketches together. I just love to see, like, those two interact and stuff. Yeah. Oh Ben, this next this these next couple ones are tough. The half of it had to leave off my list. I was really, really hoping I was gonna make my list. It didn't. Wonderful, wonderful movie. One of the best movies on Netflix, actually. Um, great coming of age story. That 
doesn't give you the ending you want, but it leaves you with a very satisfied experience. And if do yourselves a favor and watch, it's one of the best movies directed by a woman as well. I just want to throw that out there too. Like I love she. I I always forget the director's name, but she does such a wonderful job directing this movie. So I have to give her her stars and stripes. Um, Alice Wu. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. She wonderful, wonderful job directing this movie. St. Francis. Mm. You're thinking of a change in your list right now. I, I, I really <laughs> want to change it and put number 10, but I can't. I can't do it because as much as I love it, there's just 10 other films. I'm just like, oh, God, I love this movie. Now, St. Francis is another coming of age story, but a woman in her 30s. She's still coming of age, guys. Don't worry. Uh, but it's the relationship she builds with a young girl named Francis, and it's their friendship and their bond that kind of really makes the movie for me. It's really beautiful. It's very sweet. It's very charming. Um, it's got some real genuine heartfelt moments and an ending that left me in tears. I love this movie so much. Oh, man, I kind of want to put a number 10 now, but I can't. Damn it. Okay, another one that Ben's going to be infuriated with. Are you ready, Ben? I guess. Top Gun Maverick did not make. My well, that's our ten. show, folks. Thanks, Sterling. <laughs> top Gun Maverick did not make. It just, it just edged out. I couldn't put it on my list. A couple of things happened with Top Gun Maverick where it's kind of lower on my list now. One, I've watched this movie a lot, and I think part of that—that's that's part of the reason. But two. I've noticed something with this movie, Ben. I'm not enjoying it as much watching it at home as I did in the theater. Oh, okay. And I'm still, I still love the movie. I still think it's one of the five best cru- movies Cruise has, has ever done. I'm just not having that same... Ex- like, I'll take another Cruise movie. Edit Tomorrow. Love that movie in theaters. When I watched it at home, I even loved it even more. Mission Impossible Fallout, another example of a movie I loved in theaters. But man, that experience at home just Top Gun Maverick. I'm not having the same experience watching it at home that I did in the theaters. But regardless, it's still a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful movie. One of the best action movies of the 2020s, still to this day. And then I have been going back and forth on this last one, Ben. Which do I leave out? Do I leave out a comic book movie or do I leave out a Chazelle movie? Do I go with my heart, or do I go with the you know my comic book heart, or do I go with my film loving heart? Mm-hmm. Which did I choose? Well, we're gonna take an ad break. I'm just kidding. We're not gonna do that, but... I went with my comic book heart because I just love this movie just a little bit more we watch. And I'll get to that okay. movie in a second, but Babylon is my last movie on my honorable mentions. So a wonderful, wonderful movie. I'm just like you've been that, that last little bit. It just goes on a bit too long. And parts of that second act I, doesn't lose focus. I just feel like sometimes the pacing hurts the momentum, but mm-hmm. it's still my second favorite Chazelle movie Ben, by a mile. I mean, it's like La La Land, still the cream of the crop. And then Babylon's not very far behind. And then I have Whiplash, you know, here in First Man. First Man's a lot better than people give it credit for. First Man, yeah. I love that yeah. movie. Um, 
So yeah, those are my honorable mentions. Babylon, Top Gun, Maverick, Don't Look Up, Save Francis, The Habit, and Tenet. That's how great of a decade it's been so far. For me personally, hey, hey whatever. Now, I might be losing followers on Instagram by the minute, Ben, because I left out like half of the, you know, Instagram film, you know, darlings. Mm-hmm. But whatever, man. It's my list. I can do whatever the hell I want to. Yeah. So at number 10, I kind of gave it away. It's a comic movie. By the way, Ben, in my top 10, there are five. Half my list is wow. five movies. Okay. And surprise to probably no one. But actually, let me make sure my math is right. Yeah, okay, five. The first one on my list is a movie that I loved the first time. It came out last year, made my list. But on rewatch, it is just my love for this movie has grown so much. And I, I in my opinion, it's probably Kugler's second best film, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, has made my list. And I'm very happy it did because Kugler's but, second best film? In my opinion, I think wow. okay. I love how personal this film gets. Mm-hmm. I love what they did with Shuri in this movie because Shuri was just a secondary character in that first movie. You know, she was there for the comic book relief, comic relief. Now she had comic book relief. Wow. <laughs> she had to not only be the lead, but sell us on this quest of vengeance and and, and, and rage while also kind of dealing with the loss of someone that meant a lot to her in her personal life. Uh, she killed it in this movie. She was magnificent. Uh, I honestly I think she was probably the third best performance given in Phase 4. She was just wonderful, wonderful in this movie. Angela Bassett, that's she's a queen. All praise to her. I wish the trailers didn't give away some of her best moments, but besides the point, she still gives an Oscar-level performance. Like I told you, she would be getting that Oscar and it's coming. Mm-hmm. One of my complaints though about Black Panther when we first watched it, Ben, was the time spent in uh Pelican. But aren't rewatching like, yeah, this time is really needed to kind of really get on Namor's side, you know, to really kind of emphasize empathize with where he is and why he's going to this lens to protect his people. But why it's still low on my list, Ben, and why, you know, it's number 10. Just uh, Martin Freeman and uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus stuff. It's just the Ever Ross and uh, Valentina, the was specific. It still detracts a little bit. Bilbo Baggins and Elaine Bennis. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. not going there. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just an emotional experience, Ben, uh, and one that, you know, like, you know, it's it's still one of the best MCU movies in my opinion. Uh, it's in my top 10 for sure. I think it, right now it's like number 8 on my top 10. Uh, I think it's been the first movie. I think Kugler learned from his mistake. I think Kugler, uh, everyone on this list I'm going to talk about, had, did the best job with the circumstances he was given. I mean, he deserves a medal for the job he did with this movie under the circumstances. So, yeah, number 10 is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I'll go ahead. Look like you're going to say something. I was gonna make a bad vibranium joke, so never mind. Okay, good. Yep. Let's let's not go there. Number nine. This is where I have been promising young woman. There's only one performance I think is better than what Carrie Mulligan gave in uh than what Carrie Mulligan did in this movie, and that's Kate Blanchett last year for Tar. 
I think Kate Blanchett, Carrie Mulligan, and Rebecca Hall have just been the queens of two of the twenty twenties so far. It's not even close. When you watch trailers for the movie, you think it's like, oh, it's just like a female John Wick sort of. I mean, going out for revenge and all this stuff. It's not really that. But damn it, she puts some fear in your eyes whenever she's on screen. She is not just terrifying, but she is just, it, it's hard to keep your eyes off, off her on this movie, Ben. Also, on another quest for revenge, this quest for vengeance, but more personal, one that Maybe you can't relate to, but it, I, I don't want to see you can relate to because I, I don't know if everyone's been through this experience that her character is going through in this movie. But I like how this movie illustrates that, yeah, men are dirtbags, but women are just as bad too, right? And I mean that, I, I don't mean to say that like, you know, start conversation, but this woman, you know, this movie illustrates like, yeah, women play a part in this too, in terms of, you know, and covering up people's mistakes and stuff like that that they're not all so innocent uh, as given an example of the scene with Connie Britton that scene was intense uh she plays the dean of the medical uh, the medical so yeah the medical school that Karen Mulligan's character attended and the last 20 minutes of this movie been are very very interesting caught me off guard I like the direction they went, and the ending could seem a bit cheesy, but it worked for this movie. It worked for the story they were telling. You kind of been like, "Fuck yeah, Carrie Mulligan, go get it!" Glad you got, you know, glad they got what they deserved, sort of a thing. I'm not giving too much away, but there's just so many scenes of brilliant tension. Even the scene with Alison Brie at that when they're having lunch, I was like, "Jesus Christ, what's happening?" And oh, Bo Burnham. Oh, Bo, 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 Bo. Oh, that, then I, that, that reveal scene was probably the big twist for me. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Holy crap. I, so yeah, I promise you, it's one of the most entertaining thrillers of the 2020s so far with a world class performance from Carrie Mulligan. Bo Burnham, Ben 2 is fantastic. Emerald Fennell, great, great script too, Ben. Wonderful script. If you haven't seen Promising Woman, do not forget about this film. As the years go on, it is a fantastic, fantastic film. Okay, we're heading back to comic books, Ben, for my number eight. And aside from Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, it's only one of the character I love much. Much more in the MCU right now. My man, Shang-Chi. My man. I love this movie so fucking much. From the family drama, specifically the father-son dynamic, the father-son story they're telling here. The action sequences are some of the best we've seen in the MCU to date. Subway fight. Scaffolding fight. The building, you know, the, the, the building, I mean, like, five seconds later, now it's like a Skyfall fight. You don't get what I mean if you've ever seen Skyfall. Um, a final battle. Some people have complained about how ridiculous it gets, you know, dragons and all. I loved it. I loved every little bit of that. Uh, 
third act action sequence that goes on for a lot longer than you might think that and that's like a 20 25 minute battle i feel like even the inclusion of the mandarin or uh sir ben kingsley i should say <laughs> trevor slattery yes great to see him back i'm yep. glad they spoiled it on the red carpet that was <laughs> wonderful um his whole age monologue just still cracks me up, man. <laughs> I love that monologue so much. But what I love about this film, too, was just the world building this does, pushing the MCU forward, giving us a brand new character that we were for. Aquafina, Ben, outstanding in this movie. Her and uh, Shang-Chi have this really, really great bond and back and forth. Uh, one of the best duos of the MCU, in my opinion. It's just an entertaining film from start to finish. There's just not much to dislike about this movie, to be honest with you, Ben. I just, the more I think about it and the more I go, I, I feel like I've almost rewatched this movie as much as Endgame, Ben, seriously. It's not even my favorite MCU movie on this list. And it's just it's just one of those, like, comfort films at this point because, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't get too sad or too depressing. But there's still enough stakes. And it introduces us to a character that I think we're all going to love moving forward. Whenever we see him again, mm-hmm. I mean, seemingly is very easy to root for, very yeah. relatable. And Tony Leung is probably in my top five MCU villains. He is just outstanding because he's a villain you can also relate to and be like, I understand why you're doing what you're doing. Yep. So he's not trying to rule the world, he's just trying to see his wife again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great family story. I wish the sister got more screen time. But yeah. In the context of the story, you kind of understand because there's a line in the movie like, "Yeah, my father never really could look at me after my mom died," and you kind of see why she has that screen time. But I still want more of her because she's kicked a lot of ass in this movie. Mm-hmm. It was great seeing Wong back too. I mean, yeah. he love Wong. Wongers, so, yeah. So, hey, hey, no, no, okay, no. Just don't run the Sopranos. <laughs> Like yeah, number eight. So even with its, you know, overhyped post-credit scene, everyone just thinks it's the best. <laughs> yeah. of the best. I mean, I loved it, but it wasn't, you know, anything. The right game-changing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. game-changing. The world will never be the same with <laughs> credit scene. I mean, yeah, we saw the Hulk and Captain Marvel. Okay, but yeah, Ben, like I said, Chung Chi, one of the best MCU movies in my opinion. I just love this movie to pieces. Number seven, going back to Netflix, and we're talking about Mr. Benoit Blanc, Glass Onion. This movie's going to only continue to get higher and higher the more I watch it. And I thought Knives, that was a perfect perfect movie already. I mean, that movie was perfect. Great ensemble, great story, great mystery, great use of the mystery you know, element, Ben, in terms of what he decides to show us in the beginning because he got, the mystery is you think is pretty much solved in the first 20 minutes like oh okay so we can go now right we know what happens but then the more twists and turns that happen as the plot unravels well he did it again with glass onion but better i feel like because i love this ensemble more i love the story well okay let me let me get on the story i think the story is actually a little bit better in the first movie but i just think the journey in this one's more entertaining and a lot more fun for me personally but the cast is the big selling point for me here and i gotta give kate hudson her flowers because i was doubting her 
And she was probably my second or third ever character in this movie, but she was wonderful in this. Daniel Craig still gets a key with the crowd, man. He's fantastic. Janelle Monet steals this movie, though. She is absolutely wonderful in this. And that twist, Ben, did not see that coming at all. Um, I don't know which twist I like more, to be honest with you. I think I like this one. Dave Bautista's great. Madeline Klein, Outer Banks alum for you. Yeah. She's, one, she's wonderful in here. Uh, Leslie Odom Jr. speaking of One Night in Miami, he's great in here. Catherine Hans, fantastic. Um, you know what? I forgot to mention it on our first go around when we watched when we reviewed it, but the guy who plays the cop in the first movie, the white guy, I keep forgetting his name, but he's actually in this movie too, playing a totally different character. He's the guy in the, the set in the second movie, just keeps popping up. It's like, oh, who's that guy? Just walk on the beach. That's the same guy who plays the cop in the first movie. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, know that. So he's gonna keep being Stan Lee and just popping up out of nowhere. Yeah. Being kind of <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. That is funny. And then, of course, Ryan Johnson shows his big Netflix budget at the very end. Just explosions, <laughs> explosions. Well, I love the ride. I love the mystery. I love the banter. I love the chemistry between the cast. There's some really interesting conversations. The one with Jonelle Monet is just like going one by one, telling the cast off individually was great. Edward Norton's just having a blast here, man. He's just having fun. I love when Benoit Blanc you know, shows up and he's just like, the fuck invited you? You're on the island. That's when I knew because the first time I didn't understand, I was like, "Why is he looking like that?" And then when you go back and rewatch, it's like, "Oh, he's acting like that because of." So yeah, he's great. Glass Onion. Love this movie. It's it's gonna keep getting higher and higher as the years go on. Number six. This was tough too. Comic book movie, rom com, Dakota Johnson movie. Which one do I choose at number six? Well, my number six is going to a rom-com, and it's one I really, really want to, I really, really wish I could put in my top five. Mm -hmm. And tomorrow, I'm probably going to feel differently about where I'm putting this. But for right now, it's my number six. But it's, from here on out, like six through one are probably on like my top 40, 45 films of all time. They're somewhere in that range. But number six, Palm Springs. Love, love, love this movie so fucking much. I've been saying that a lot about those movies. That's why they're in my top 10. But there's something different about Palm Springs and the way they use the Groundhog Day device to tell a really good character story for Chris Miliotti and for Andy Sandberg. We're also having a ton of fun. But I have no flaws with this movie. I think this film to me is perfect. Um, I wish maybe we could have gotten a little bit more screen time with J.K. Simmons, like a little bit more like heart to heart, like that heart to heart he has with Andy Samberg. I wish we had more scenes like that. But this movie is filled with really good heartfelt moments. Wonderful chemistry between Samberg and Miliotti. Who I think Ben Miliotti might be given the best performance of her career so far in this movie. She is absolutely fantastic. Andy Samberg, I love the guy. He's great to watch on screen. You know, he's not like the our tour, Ben, right? But he just he knows what kind of actor he is and he plays to his strengths and he does really well on that. And he got me a couple of times dramatically though towards the end. I'm like, man, that you got me, Andy. You got me. So yeah, my number six is Paul Springs. 
And now we're going to take an ad break. But I have to use the bathroom. And we'll be back in a flash. And we are back. So we continue on. We push forward. Press for push. I don't know what I'm saying. It's getting late. I'm like, I'm not on a lot of sleep right now. I need to go to bed, Ben. But not tonight. Not tonight. Not tonight. Not ever. So we push forward. Mm-hmm. Once more into the five. fray. Yes, five through two. So go ahead, Ben, and get started with your five through two. All right. Well, number five. Uh, kind of rare for a, a documentary to make it on the list. But as I mentioned earlier, I do like me some music. And this one was astounding. Uh, directed by Questlove and all about the 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival is Summer of Soul. This one uh, did not catch in theaters. So I don't even know if it probably played somewhere, but it, it was on uh, Hulu where I watched it. And it's incredible. Um, of course, everyone's heard of Woodstock and um, I got a couple CDs and stuff from uh, Woodstock. But that same summer, there was this uh, cultural festival, which was many weekends of, of awesome music in uh, Harlem. And I didn't know about it until this movie came out. But uh, Stevie Wonder... Um, from the yeah Stevie Wonder uh, from the Temptations, David Ruffin, uh, Mavis Staples, Nina Simone, ton of great artists, and it, it the the doc is so cool because it it has you know perfect recreate or not recreated remastered footage from the event, and then has some of the um, artists who are still alive watch it back and give reactions and memories of the uh, the performances so. And then, of course, you know, cultural stuff surrounding it and people in the crowd. There's some uh, interviews with them. And it's, yeah, it's just done so well. And I'll never forget uh, the biggest moment in there is um, the they have like a section where they play a ton of gospel music. And I mean, I'm not I don't listen to gospel music a whole lot, but the the power of the singers um there's several of them on stage and it's a uh, tribute because the year earlier um, MLK had been assassinated and they, they do a song that they uh, as a do as a tribute to him. And it's, it's incredible and made me gave me chills and made me tear up with just this, this gospel song that I hadn't heard of before. Uh, and I was just sitting on my couch in the apartment watching it. So incredible uh performances and, and moment there and who knew Questlove, who does so much awesome stuff already uh is is a great uh director too so i'm interested interested to see what else he can do uh behind the camera as well number four going back to this year this is where i have everything everywhere all at once um Again, have not rewatched it since the theater, but it was such a crazy, awesome experience, even after hearing from so many people that it's a crazy, awesome experience. I did not expect <laughs> all the stuff that went down um, that 
butt plug fight and hot dog fingers and it's just it's insane but it's also insane how well it all works and the performances from everyone stephanie sue like you said um kiki kwan and michelle yo who's my front runner for uh for the oscars this year um but yeah the the score too was awesome and the the message is so uh powerful it could get lost in all this craziness but it it sticks with you and i do agree um looking back on it that it it can get you know kind of crazy at the at the end there um with repetitive i guess i should say um but still i don't know i it 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 hit me hard so uh like we always say rocks with googly eyes got us to cry yep googly eyes made me cry too (laughs) i can't believe that googly eyes and rocks i mean that's just (laughs) i don't even yeah that movie is just so wonderful and so original and michelle yeah was just not a revelation, but it's just she just really shows how much of a powerhouse of an actress she really is. I will not speak on the actress who starred in Freaky Friday, but I will also mention uh, Stephanie Sue, like you did. She is just magnificent, and she probably has the most to do with this movie because of how diverse her role is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's playing like eighty different versions of herself. <laughs> it feels like this movie. Yep. And K. Hey Kwan is. What a return to acting. What a return to the big screen, man. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I can't wait to see what he does in Loki season two. Yeah, that's uh, right. He is just he's just wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, I cannot say enough about how great that ensemble is. They are yep. all even Jamie Lee Curtis. Even all <laughs> they're all outstanding. I have nothing against Jamie Lee Curtis, by the way. I she's a you know, she's a powerhouse actress. I just her over Stephanie Studios infuriates me, man. It, it really, really does. Yep. But yeah, me too. That's just, I, but I am happy for all the love this movie is receiving because it is one of the best. I'd probably say one of the five best theory experiences I had in 2022 last year. It's just a fun, fun movie, but also very heartfelt. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I think it just kind of gets a little repetitive towards mm-hmm. the end. Understandable. But you're wrong. Uh, my oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm taking my lines now. Okay, all right. Moving on. My number Ashif. three. Ashif. My number three. Uh, this is where I have the Fablemans. Uh, how could I not like this movie? Uh, Steven Spielberg, uh, another great ensemble. John Williams coming back, uh, doing doing the score. Um, and it's a movie about this kid. It's pretty much Spielberg, but his love of making movies, uh, which, you know, all that behind the scenes stuff is always big, big win for me. So um, it's not, I, I love it a lot. I will say it's not like Spielberg's best, like you were saying earlier, and it's not William's best score, but I don't know, it just hit at the right moment. And it's Michelle um, Williams doing great work, Paul Dano doing great work. The I forget the kid's name, but he's awesome too. Uh, Jude. The entire ensemble, yeah, is magnificent. 
once again, you know, just going back to, you know, even speaking about everything everywhere. Last year gave us a lot of great ensembles and the Failments was no exception. I mean, Judd Hirsch is in like five minutes. Yeah. And he's outstanding. Seth Rogen, I mean, he channels his inner, uh, you know, what he does for uh, Steve Jobs. <clears throat> he was fantastic in Steve Jobs. I think... And this is what I think it happens to all of us, Ben. I think sometimes when the film gets overhyped, I think you go with such high expectations that you come out being like, yeah, I loved it, but I'm not like in love with it. And I think that's what happened with the ailments. I came out of that loving it. And I, I I just wonder for me personally, if just the love, like everyone's just loving this. We've been like, well, did I love it as much as everyone else did? And probably not. No, but I'm not gonna like you know diss anyone who just loves it that much because it is a wonderful heartfelt movie, and like I said, similar to that Babylon, if you love film, I don't know how in any you know realm of fashion you, I, I can't see how you don't walk away just loving this movie. The Thelemans is wonderful, so. Michelle Williams too. She's just she really is outstanding. Yeah, I, I loved her in this movie, and that final conversation she has with her son, I was like, "Yep, uh, got me, got me really good there." Okay, all right, I'm done crying now. <laughs> Spielberg never, never fails to get you tug at the heartstrings, except for you know the Crystal Skull. But anyway, I cried okay. for a different reason. <laughs> yeah. We all did, uh, but yes, the yeah, it's just okay. <laughs> so yeah, the Fablemans is such a good movie. So whimsical and and yeah, the the kind of stuff that I like too, like the I mean, school dance and the the beach, you know, and stuff. I love the and beach then, scene. Yeah, I love the beach scene. I mean, it's so small, but I just I just love that stuff so much. Um. And then the, the whole conversation and stuff that goes down in the hallway after uh, all, all that standout stuff. Okay, number two. This is where I have a comic book movie. I guess it's my my only one up here. And this one too. Uh, kind of crazy. I can I can see the flaws, and really looking back over it and everything, the story. Um, I guess the the way the story goes down could have been a lot better. But um, the surprises and maybe some non-surprises and everything that, that built up into this movie is uh, one of the best experiences in the theater that I've had. That's right. It's Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, I said non-surprises. I guess we all pretty much knew, <laughs> despite their best efforts, that McGuire and Garfield were showing up here. But still, when it happened, I still... Uh, you know, my, my jaw dropped and I, I was clapping and, and jumping out of my seat. Um, the the character work is fantastic. Um, between them showing up, of course, with nostalgia and everything. Um, the, but the villains coming back, we've praised Defoe. Uh, I, I love those, you know, that, that first movie with McGuire, but he's probably even scarier than this one. Uh, getting back into the role, he was great doing a lot of his own stunt work too and stuff. Um, uh, redemption for Electro, 
uh, Jimmy Fox is having a ton of fun here. But yeah, J.K. Simmons coming back too for a little bit is great. Uh, Aunt May gets her her time to shine. Uh, Marissa Tomei, and just the the chemistry of Holland and Zendaya, which I know is in real life too. <laughs> They're dating, like all Spider Men have dated the co-stars, but um, it's just it's it's so good and. That ending could get a little cheesy with the, um, you know, that them saying goodbye and everything as friends and, and knowing each other. But I, I, I cried um, both times I saw it in theaters with them them saying goodbye, and I also cried just with the <laughs> pure uh, euphoria of seeing three Spider Men together and. Swinging around around the uh, Statue of Liberty, so yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Rod, you can talk about it a little bit. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Okay, well, I'm gonna go ahead and go because I'm, my number five is your number two, and that is Spider Man No Way Home. Yes. Uh, words cannot express the pure. You know, I've used the word love a lot, so I'm just going to say it again. The pure love and it, and just the admiration I have for what John Watts did with probably his final outing in the Homecoming trilogy. Um, we saw things that, yeah, we might have expected to see, but we still got it anyway. Because there's always that, you know, there's always that room for doubt when you walk in that theater, like, well, I mean, you know, it might not happen as the movie keeps going. Like, well, you know, man. Okay. But aside from, you know, McGuire and Garfield and Defoe and Melina and Jamie Foxx and all of them coming back, this is about my boy Tommy H. This is about his personal journey in becoming Spider Man and making those sacrifices that we've seen so many of us Spider-Man, whether you're in the comics or the TV shows or previous Spider-Man movies, he finally had to make, you know, the ultimate sacrifice and probably the most devastating one of all the ones any Spider-Man has had to make. And that is people forgetting who he is permanently. Now I'm sure the MCU will probably reverse it somehow, some way in a future installment. I don't, I hope they don't. I kind of hope they've kind of... I've kind of accepted the fact that Zendaya is probably going to come back at some point. Um, I'm kind of hoping that maybe they leave her out of the next one and maybe bring her back for maybe part five. But i like to see, you know, maybe Spider-Man, maybe we get this version's Harry Osborn. Or, you know, this version's Gwen Stacy. There's, I mean, they almost have like a reboot of sorts and kind of just wipe the slate clean mm-hmm. and you know no more you know peer needing help from the avengers or iron man or anything you know iron man tech or anything no more happy it's just him and i love that for him moving forward in his college years now peter grew up in this movie Peter got violent in this movie peter was throwing hands and i love that when his fight with god with the goblin at the end i was like Oh, he's gonna do it. He's 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 gonna do this. He's gonna kill him. But I love that moment when Toby comes in and it's like, hey, 
He just gives him that look, but it's that look of, we don't do this. Don't do something you know you're going to regret later. And I love that line Toby says, too. Like, throughout every sense of the, when he pops on screen, like, it's what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. It's what you do. You don't kill people, you save people. That's right. Good to have you back. Yeah. Pastor. You, pastor, <laughs> you. But just the three of them interact. I mean, like, if you're a geek and a nerd like us, you live for moments like that. It's why No Way Home, sort of like Endgame, then at this point, I don't think there's ever going to be a Spider Man movie that's going to be better than this for me personally. Now, there could be better made films, but for what this film represents for me and this, what Spider Man meant to me growing up, I really, really find it difficult to think that there's going to be a movie like No Way Home, a movie better than No Way Home, Spider Man wise. Sort of like how I feel about Avengers. There's not going to be a, a movie for me personally that's going to be better than Endgame. There could be a better made film. But like, you know, like I said, what that represents for me in my life, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't see it. And that's that's how I feel about No Way Home. Mm-hmm. And I think Tom Holland gives the best performance of his Spider-Man career in this movie. You know, I might even say best performance of his career. If I'm really thinking about it, yeah, I'd probably say so. Maybe the impossible is probably up there still. Mm-hmm. And uh I really I loved him at Jerry. I think he's great in Jerry. The movie itself is just another Forrest Gump, but I loved what he did in Jerry. Um so yeah, but everyone's great. Like you said, Ben, they're they're I don't know, I don't recognize those flaws actually. This film's perfect. This film's perfect. <laughs> this film's perfect. Um what I, you know what I do love, Ben, about this Homecoming trilogy, though? The inclusion of different Avengers and how they don't overtake Spider-Man screen time. Tony Stark in Homecoming, Nick Fury in Not Far From Home, and, of course, Doctor Strange, even though technically he's not an Avenger, but Doctor Strange in No Way Home. Mm-hmm. And even Toby and Andrew, they don't overshadow Pete. They don't overshadow Tom Holland. They don't. This movie doesn't let you forget. This is still Tommy's story. Right. So thanks for listening to our Spider-Man No Way Home spoiler. We really <laughs> appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Ben, I, is this the darkest Spider-Man film has been? I mean, this film gets dark. I'm just like thinking about it. This might be the darkest Spider-Man film we've had. Maybe Spider-Man 2? Yeah, I was going to say that about it. it's up there. A personal level. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. With the the death and the seeing the consequences and everything from it, the the reactions to it, I guess. Right. Yeah. Oh, then I think you mentioned uh, Marissa Tomei too. God damn, man. God damn. I thought she was gonna make it. I'm glad she didn't because that would have been like, all right, really, she survived that. Come on, yeah. Come yeah. On. But it still broke my heart. Still broke my heart, man. But mm-hmm. uh, now I forgot where your opinion lies on Goblin, though. Do you like him better in this or in the original Spider Man? Well, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. Hey, he's like scarier in this, I think. He goes all yeah. out with that. Oh, absolutely. More terrifying in this. Yeah. That's because you see his face more, too, in this movie as well. Yeah, yeah. That's true. His, that big smile he does. Oh, God, Jesus Christ. 
So, Mormons on yeah. sabbatical on a. I'm like, God, 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 Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then Jimmy Fox, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, right, right, yeah. Top 10 list, right. Um, Number four. <sighs> Get to talk about my girl, Dakota. Dakota Johnson. And the listeners are gone. So, let's talk about our friend, Dakota Johnson. And the movie, Our Friend. Ah, you see what I did there, didn't you? That's right. That's right. That's right. A plus. Thank you. That's right. I'm not on sabbatical. But anyway, Dakota Johnson then is uh this is her career best performance in my opinion. Um because of what she has to do, what she's asked to do in this movie. Mm-hmm. And when it gets to the point where you have to where she has to start kind of having to make the audience believe of her illness and you know her dying she plays that all really really well um her outbursts her tantrums how sickly she starts to look i gotta tell you man it's just the chemistry i've been saying that a lot about these movies that are my top 10 but the chemistry between this cast affleck casey affleck in particular jason siegel dakota johnson Ben, you feel that bond, that friendship in this movie, how real and authentic it is. And Jason Siegel's relationship with the Affleck and Johnson's daughters. This is what I like to call a depressing hangout movie. Because the, the 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 film's plot is fairly simple. It's told in a nonlinear fashion, but basically, you know, this family dealing with the sickness and their friend coming to help out. And it really is just them hanging out, but also trying to deal with this, you know, this this unfortunate circumstance. But it's not all depressing. There's fun moments to be had. There's some real, you know, genuine, you know, moments of, you know, laughter and, you know, you smile and you laugh and you're just enjoying the time with with, with these friends, our friends. But that last half hour when her condition gets worse, I got to tell you, Ben, the first time I watched this, I was like, shit, I'm not going to make it through. I'm not going to make it through this. Not in like a man, this movie's bad. It's just like, no, this is this movie's doing a really, really good fucking job of making me um be depressed. And when the situation reaches its conclusion, you feel that pain in the characters. You feel their, you you know, you feel that heaviness that they've been carrying. It, it, it's just you feel the weight of the situation from all of them in this movie. And it's beautiful to watch. It's, it's, it's very sincere. It's based on a true story. Um, It's a really, it's a really sad movie, but it's, it's beautiful at the same time. And like I said, I words cannot express my, my love for Dakota Johnson, in this movie, but Jason Siegel too, Ben deserves a lot of praise. I love what he's done with his career post. How I met your mother. Um, even when he was doing How I Met Your Mother, he was, you know, making good choices. A la Forgetting Sarah Marshall, a la The Muppets, stuff like that. Uh, I had to throw The Muppets in there to make you happy. So, check out Our Friend. It's on Amazon Prime if you don't want to buy it. For some reason, Ben, 
if I want to buy it on physical media, I have to buy a regular DVD. I can't buy it on Blu-ray. Really? Yeah. So huh. I'm not. Do- I'm not doing that. I'm buying a Blu-ray. <laughs> I'm not buying a regular DVD. Okay. It's a waste of shelf life. But anyway. Uh, also, I'd like to retroactively add that to my honorable mentions if I nope. can. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, you can. Or Dakota. To give it, yeah. Give it more more praise. A wonderful yeah. movie, man. Yeah. A wonderful movie. Because it, it was one, too, that you uh, just pestered me about. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but you recommended it. No, tell the truth. That... I did. I pestered you. I know. Absolutely, <laughs> I did. Recommended it several times. And then, uh, and I'm, I'm bad about uh, remembering and then watching what people recommend. But, um, I know. I found yeah. like I watched sleeping with other people like two years ago, and yeah. how that turned out. Jesus yeah. fucking Christ. Yeah, but yeah, this one I, I think I guess watched it for the Dakota Johnson episode. Yes. Um, and yeah, it is it is incredible. And two, yeah. Also, I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm, I, I'm, I can stay strong and not cry because I know it's really sad, but didn't work, did it? No. <laughs> nope. Just. The, yeah, watching it unfold, <laughs> I was like, I, I figured this would happen, but it's still just done so in- well that I I bawled. The kids too deserve a lot of praise. The, ch- the actors who play the children are really good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie does this thing where I don't like when they show a scene that happens later in the movie. I'm like, okay, why are we doing this? It actually worked for this movie though. Yeah, it yeah. It kind of it jumps around a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, and that that could be a detriment. If people, you know, for people who don't like it, because yeah, it does that a lot in the first couple acts. Where it's like, okay, wait, hold on, we were doing here, now we're here. Yeah, you know, yeah. I get why it did that, but it's like if you're not paying attention, you're gonna miss like the subtitles <laughs> of like where we are in time. Right, right. So, but yeah, I, it works for this movie, like you does. said. It yeah. does. So that's number four is our friend. <clears throat> These next two are combo movies. It's no surprise. And I didn't realize how much it was a challenge to kind of put what was in number two and what was in number three. And it, it, I, I struggle. I'm struggling with it now <laughs> because they were both very different experiences, both extremely long movies. But both movies, I'm like, you know what, though? They're both in my top five comic movies of all time. So, as of this recording, my number three right now is the Batman. The Batman is my number three for right now. In about Mm -hmm. five minutes, it'll be my number two. (laughs) There's something, there's a reason why I struggle with two and three, because both have a flaw in which I don't like. Or a flaw in which I can't get over. One has a third act. I love the Batman that is not as perfect as those first two acts were to me. And they made a creative decision to include a character that did not need to be included in this movie at all. And the other movie I want to talk about has a little too much exposition for my liking. Those are my only flaws. That's it for me personally. And with the Batman, the third act is not as perfect as those first two acts are. Where I would give those first two acts like a 10 out of 10, I would give third act solid eight and a half. It's no Wonder Woman third act, Ben, where it's like it just totally falls apart. Yeah. 
Um, to me, though, why this film ranks so high for me is I'm not going to spend too much time talking about Batman because I've talked about it a lot and I feel like in the past couple months, but it's the world building. I'm just going to do, do a quick you know, bullet points. World building <laughs> of Gotham. Our repentance portrayal as Batman in particular. Um, so, uh, yeah, Zoe Kravitz as Selena Kyle. But you know where I'm going with this, Ben. My man Colin Farrell as the Penguin. I will never, ever, ever shut up about this man's portrayal as a Penguin. I loved it so freaking much. And we always I always keep forgetting to talk about this guy. Jonathan Turbo as Falcone is so good in this movie. Mm-hmm. This one was a really good job. Matt does a really excellent job at this detective noir style film, but also making it feel like a crime thriller. Whenever the turtle's on screen, it, it kind of turns into this not detective noir story, but like this crime, like this gritty crime thriller now. Yeah. Uh, the Batmobile chase, Ben. A War of the Engine. Michael Giacchino's amazing Oscar snub score. Perfect. Of course, the riddles were tougher. Yeah. Like, you know, and I'm not one for, I know you like your riddles. I'm not one for, you know, like, I don't need, like, challenging uncharted riddles. Um, or the dumb stuff from uh, Batman Forever. Sweet Jesus. What? Mystery. Mr. Some of these e. I was like, okay, that, that wasn't really too difficult to solve. There were there was a couple, but I was like, okay, that was clever. No, no, that was good too. Um, but mainly the one in the funeral at the funeral was I was like, okay, yeah, these are this isn't really all that difficult. Yeah, I'm just gonna you know do a little. You know, I have sing alongs. I'm just going to do a solve along with Batman right here <laughs> to solve this as you're you know, as you're processing. I don't know why it's taking so long. Um, I will say because you've mentioned this before on my rewatch, I have started on it. It hasn't like bothered me like has you, but the whole walking slowly while there's a bomb <laughs> on a guy, I'm like, okay, now this is getting kind of okay. I see what Ben's talking about. This is a little ridiculous. This is a little too much. Yeah. I get what he's trying to do, but it's like you made your point clear in the beginning. Right, right. You don't. It was great in the beginning. Time sensitive situation here. Let's yeah. pick up the pace. Do you have diarrhea? Do you have to take a shit? I mean, what's <laughs> happening here, Batman? Come on now. Let's 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 go. <laughs> Come on now, buddy. The lives are at stake here. So it's it's just an amazing film, though, Ben. It's an amazing Batman film. You know. Talked about this when we did our Matt Reeves episode, so I'm not gonna really you know delve too much into more into it. You can just listen to my Matt Reeves episode, the best twenty two episode, or Batman spoiler review for my full thoughts on how much I admire the Batman. But my number two is none other than the Eternals. Oh, sorry, sorry, Chloe, just Eternals. Too much exposition, 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 exposition. Way too much exposition, particularly Arishem's exposition dump. It's a lot. But I enjoy watching it. I do. It, it, you know, because it really builds upon the world of the MCU. But not 
not in terms of what's going on in the MCU right now with King, but kind of just more universal stakes that probably won't get answered until I don't know, because we still haven't dealt with um another celestial just sitting out high and dry in the sky. I, I mean, can we please just someone acknowledge it, except for one She-Hulk reference? Can we please just acknowledge a celestial? Please. No? Okay. Sorry, Foggy. You have a plan. I trust you. I know you weren't a fan of the whole getting the band back together thing because it kind of, you know, took away from a lot of other stuff, but I enjoyed the getting the band back together because of the flashbacks and the time we spent it with those in those flashbacks, getting to really see why this this family, this group, why they love each other, the the, the highs and lows of being on Earth for this many years. And why someone like a Cersei would fall in love with Earth. And you know how she views humans and everything. And why someone like uh Fastos. I love what they did with his character. He moved away from that life and started a family. Married someone he loves, and they have a beautiful child. Like, you know, it's just it's things like that, you know, when we're not superheroing around and stuff. It's just those more quieter moments with the group. When they're just sitting around with at Gilgamesh's camp with Athena, uh, just having conversations, man. It's like things like that. And uh oh man, why am I forgetting the valet's name? Uh is it Kyroon or something like that? Yeah, I was, I was gonna say Kyroon. God, I love him so much. I love that moment in the film where it's like, you know, we're gonna fight for humans, right? Right. Oh, right, yeah. It's just like he has really good comedic timing in this movie. Uh, yes, I swear I love this movie, but I'm forgetting Camille Najani's character's name. Kingo? Yes, thank you. Kingo, Bastos, Athena, Makari, and Cersei, one of my favorite Eternals coming out of this movie. I love that. I love the way they use Makari in this movie with her speed, how they how, how they illustrate, uh, you know, her her running fast and everything better than mm-hmm. the you know, flopping arm that the Flash does and Snyder cut, you know, it's you know windmill shit. Um, the group dynamic is beautiful. This film, Ben, looks stunning. I love the way this film looks. I love the score here. And there's even some tracks on here. Where I'm like, yeah, I even like some of this stuff here more than I love in Endgame. I didn't think I'd be saying that today, mm. but it's the truth. Wow. Yes. There are things I like in this movie a little bit more than Endgame, mainly with the score. But this really boils down to three things for me. Chloe Zhao's direction and her ability, and her ability to take risks and making this more a Chloe Zhao film than a more MCU film. The group dynamics, the ensemble put together here is wonderful, terrific. I mean, the cast of characters, if there are some actors here, I'm like, I can't believe they're an MCU movie. Mainly Sama Hayek. I'm like, Jesus Christ, come on now. I just wish we had more time with her. And I like how this film challenges the viewer. Because there is a deep philosophical question in here about, is Earth worth saving? Are these humans worth saving? 
And I think the film illustrates that, illustrates that really well in terms of making us think, but also kind of where the Eternals stand. Because like I said, some have started families. Some are kind of tired and ready to go home. You know, it's just like, you know, someone just like, no, Arsham said this, it's our mission. Some like Kingo who are like, look, I I agree with Icarus, but I'm not going against my family either. So I'm just gonna like you dead, like you said, Ben. I'm out. Peace out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that, Ben. I love how we had that kind of that, you know, that that internal struggle. So yeah, Eternals for me is a beautiful masterpiece. My third favorite film in the MCU to date still. It's just a wonderful work of art. I know you have your issues with it, Ben, but you know. It's not going to work for everybody. It's just not. And a lot of us knew that coming out, but this is probably going to be the most divisive film in the MCU to date. And that still rings true, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't want to share your thoughts on how much you love The Eternals? It's all right. No, I, uh, I do need to force myself to sit down and watch it again. But, uh, yeah, no, I uh, always praise the score. And, uh, Great score. Great score. I like that it, it is very different and takes risks and stuff, but very yeah. different. It does take like, risks. <laughs> like you were saying, doesn't really pay off as much for me. And uh No payoff. It's not it's not the <laughs> not the fact that it's getting the band back together, but it, it's just that that's like the bulk of the movie. Um and then we don't even get the band back together at the final fight at the end, really? It's just some of them? I don't know. To to fight the uh, villain. Well, that, I kind of like that, though. Like anyway. I said, it goes back to that internal struggle that some of them have about, you know, yeah. is, is Earth worth saving, stuff like that. Um, This whole thing about bringing in um Krull, or, yeah, of uh, the villain of the film, it's just like, eh, yeah. You know, in the words of Deadpool, big CGI fight coming up. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, he wasn't really needed. I get why the I, I get why Chloe wanted to put him in there. It's just for me, I didn't really see the point in adding like an extra villain to kind of not not Krill. What did I say? I said Krill. It's Crow. Crow. Yeah. Of, um, there was already so much going on. Like there was a more fascinating internal, you know, struggle and battle with the family. I, I would rather see like family on family, you know, something like a civil war, um, something like that, than adding in, you know, a deviant. I, I, I don't know. That's just me yeah. personally, but it didn't. In no way did it detract from my enjoyment of the film, and it also has an awesome post-credit scene with, uh, you know, a no fit no show of Herschel Ali just his voice. But we promise, or Marvel promises, Blade is coming. Somewhere in the near future. <laughs> whenever that might be. I'm still yep. waiting. It's supposed to come out this year. Oh, yeah. It's supposed to come out next year. We hope. Shit. Oh. Yeah. Still no word about uh, Harry Styles showing up again. Or Pip the Troll. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no one's going to damn. No one gives a rat's ass when those two are showing back up. I care more about that postcards. But I mean, and speaking of, I love the ending of this film. 
because it's one of the best cliffhangers, I feel like, for the MCU. Arthur's gone back for judgment. Uh, you people that live in the MCU, you're all fucked. We're good. You know, we're good, Ben. No, yeah. no judgment here. Yeah. Totally. And you can just live with that yourself. But you people on Earth, in the MCU, y'all are screwed. Big time. So whenever Eternals 2 comes out, because there are rumors that Eternal 2 is going to be called Eternals Judgment Day, which sounds awesome. I love that. Just, you know, basing that off what Arshan's last words were, you know, I will return for judgment. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, Arshan, man, calm down. Oh, shit. That's like, give me chills. So I don't know if it's going to be called Judgment Day. It's just going to be flowing around. Isn't that the Terminator subtitle, too? Yeah, but this movie would be better. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no shade on our Terminator. That's still one of the best action movies ever made. So, but yeah, that's my number two is, um, I almost said Eternals Judgment Day. What's it Eternals. called? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there is a, there is a, uh, Judgment Day comic in Marvel. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yes, yes, there is, there is a Judgment Day comic book. Um, but that's actually not just Eternals. That's like, x-men and the avengers so it's like a big it's like a Ooh. big crossover mm-hmm. um, i haven't read it myself but it's i've heard um, from stuff i've read online i've heard it's, it's pretty solid so mm-hmm. i can run that one day cool all right showtime yeah. number one and if the you haven't guessed one. what our number ones are at this point then i guess i haven't listened to the show very much you don't know us but they're both movies from last year so well shit <laughs> Spoiler alert! Um, yeah, I feel like I talk about this one a lot too. Somehow it's yeah. been, it gets mentioned a lot. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it is Top Gun Maverick. This is a, I mean, pretty much a perfect movie, but a near perfect movie. I don't know. Um, but yeah, for it being a sequel to an '80s film that I was kind of warm, and you know, it's it's fun. Don't know how this is gonna be. Um, and then the trailers kind of slowly, slowly got me back in. Of course, I love Tom Cruise and his uh, action awesomeness and his push for realism, uh, realistic, you know, stunts and everything. Uh, bringing that here was incredible. The got a great uh, ensemble cast too. A lot of, a lot of good supporting characters. Uh, yep, Tom Cruise and Tom Cruise and Tom Cruise and Tom yeah, Cruise. Tom Cruise in a helmet. Yeah, yeah. Yep, Tom Cruise in the fighter jet. Yep, yep, a lot of not, not glasses. Yeah, it's a great ensemble put together. Yep. Uh, yeah, Miles Teller proven himself in, in every movie. I, he's already proven himself. Uh, he's he's incredible. Uh, Jennifer Connelly, one of my favorites. Um, and you know, just a little little Ed Harris never hurts. One scene. Yep. <laughs> But, a great scene. Oh yeah, but yeah, the I mean, even the sound and, and everything, um, music was so good. And I I know I say it every time, but I I just feel like this is a movie that should be a standard for like writing classes or classes in film. That it just it sets it up with the um, you know plot device that the thing we need to get to the training and the tribulations and everything with that and then what we mentioned an hour before actually happens but it's still so intense and of course it you know goes a little wrong at the end um but it it builds on that has great references to the original 
Um, but I don't know, just the, the the way the story plays out is is incredible and keeps you on your toes the whole time. And really, there's not a, a set villain, I guess. Um, the the country they go up against and everything fighting is is unnamed, uh, which is which is really cool too. So yeah, I just I I love everything about this movie. Uh, everyone should go see it. And uh, I think everyone has. Yeah, box yeah. Office. <laughs> uh, my my sister was a holdout because she loved uh, the original one and said, you know, how how could it be good? And she finally saw it and and loved it too. So shout out to her. Um, but yeah, that's that's my number one of these three years so far. So yeah, my number one is also a movie from last year. I mean, so you guys can just listen to our top best, our favorite films of 2022 if you really want to <laughs> figure out what those are. If you don't want to, you know, build up the suspense with me here. But, uh, you know, I find it really funny, but, you know, we kind of started this because we're both comic book fans and everything. And I, li- I love how no- neither of our number ones are comic book movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I love how yours is still a blockbuster, but it's more personal than the first film was. Mm-hmm. And I love how my number one is just a small indie film that went on Apple TV+. Plus. Now, first of all, it just shows we just don't love comic movies, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, go back and listen to our Spider-Man No Way Home spoiler review. <laughs> earlier. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about that. And, you know, we love, we love that stuff. Yeah. But, I, you know, we love the smaller films, too. We still love the blockbusters, though. But the spinal films, when done right, Ben, they can they can leave an impact on you. And that's why my number one, to no one's surprise at all for those who know me, is Morbius. Uh, <laughs> uh, you got me. <laughs> oh, good. I got you. Awesome. It's more of a time. It's more yep. of a time. Yep. Uh, my number one, of course. Cha-Cha Reels move. Uh, to no surprise to anyone who's known me in the film Instagram community or to any of my friends, I've annoyed uh, for them to get a subscri- Apple TV Plus subscription to and uh, watching this movie and then getting rid of it afterwards. Um, not me, Ben. I would never, never, ever do that. I, I, I wouldn't. I'm not that kind of person. All right. You know, I, I haven't done that to you at all. No, of course not. No, no, I would no. never do that. I would never tell you to waste your money for a Dakota Johnson movie. Never, ever, ever. <laughs> never. Ever. But do yourselves a favor and get an Apple TV Plus subscription and watch Cha Cha Rose move because this film's <laughs> fucking perfect. It's a perfection. It's the highest degree of perfection. That's why I'm bringing that saying back now, too, Ben. Uh, throwback. The Chief! But anyway, why do I love Cha Cha Rose move so much? Well, to understand why I love this movie so much, we have to take it back to last year. I'm so proud of you. That was the best one you've done yet, Ben. So good. So good. Yay. So good. Our yeah. viewers have no idea what just happened. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but you you pulled it off so, so well. Thank you. Uh, ben, as you know, Ben knows this very, very well. I love the coming-of-age genre. What? I, I I know. Surprise. Yeah. Surprise to a lot of people. 
but you know, in all seriousness, it, it's just it is one of my favorite genres. Um, and you know, Ben, I get it. I get why you know why this film might not work for others because you know Cooper Rafe, the actor, him acting in this movie, he can kind of come off as a little, I want to say annoying, but a little, you know, kind of a little prick. Um. I was just able to latch onto him though, for whatever reason it was. And I think it's just, I just love those movies, Ben, about just, you know, trying to find your place in this world after college, what you're trying to do. And the film also teaches you a valuable lesson to Ben about don't get attached, kids. Please, please do not get attached unless you really know that person's the one. Um, you know, I feel like Ben. At some point, we all go through this. We get attached to someone who we know we probably are not going to end up being with. That's that's probably happened to all of us. I know it's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to you, Ben. It, it, it's happened. But damn it, Ben, that chemistry between Rafe and and Johnson is so it's so sweet. It's so beautiful. Whether they're having and they're having like real conversations too. It's not just like you know those you know those you know teen nick movies where they're just like looking at each other's eyes and like oh you're so beautiful oh you're so beautiful let's hang out yay yay let's go get ice cream because that's how teen nick movies are but you know the conversation but like what's it like to be being depressed what's it you know how's that feel like you know just being in the moment stuff like that and just having real you know conversations about soulmates Stuff that a lot of twenty-year-olds aren't really having, either. I feel like twenty-year-olds don't really have those type of conversations. But for whatever reason, Ben, they both bring out in each other. I mean, I mean, by both, I mean Rafe and Johnson. They both bring out this realism, I guess, in terms of just having those real conversations and being able to be comfortable with each other and having those kind of real conversations. Uh, Vanessa Burkhardt Ben was a revelation I think she's wonderful in this film I love her pet hamster Jerry Jerry is MVP Jerry is life uh, Leslie Mann is wonderful of course as always in this movie sort of getting redemption for that awful turd of a movie she did in the call of the bubble um, that she was able to redeem herself Brad Garrett Ben only in a couple scenes but he's great. I loved him in this. He was so good, especially he gets, he even gets, not once they were redemption, but a chance in the spotlight at the end. I'm like, fuck yeah, Jerry, get him. That's right. And as much as you're rooting for Johnson and Rafe to make it, you know it's not the right thing. I love where the film ends up with these two. Did I cry? Shut up, Ben. Yes, maybe I did. Did I did I weep like a little girl? Yes, I did. I was in tears. Shut up, Ben. No one asked you. But at the end of the day, Ben, it's just one of those heartfelt movies about just finding your place in the world. And it's a coming-of-age story that's going to hold a special place in my heart for years to come. Um, it currently sits at number eight in my hierarchy of top ten films of all time. It's just, it's, 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 it's sitting there really comfortably. Because I can't put it above Lion King and other films like that just yet. Mm -hmm. I, need, I need like another year or two before I can really, you know, get to that level. 
Um, I took a Star is Born a couple of years to get to my top five. I only took Endgame mm-hmm. one day, only three hours. Yeah, only three hours, man. Yeah, but you know, it's gonna take Cha Cha Bros for some time to you know reach those heights. Mm-hmm. But uh, okay, so part two of why? No, I'm just kidding. We're done, done. But so, yeah, so my number one is Cha Cha Rose Move, best of the decade so far. And it'll probably stay up there for a very long time at my number one. Unless King Dynasty or Secret Wars just comes in and it totally blows me away. <laughs> but, you know. We can hope. Well, I don't know. The screenwriters have some work to do. Yep. Um, yeah. Looking at you, Jeff Loveness, more than Michael Waldron. I think Michael Watcher can redeem himself. I'm looking at you, Jack yeah. Wellness. You have some fucking work. <laughs> yep. But Ben, that will do it for our best of the decade. Mm-hmm. I did not expect this to be this long, but when I can go, when we talk about movies that we love, yeah, it's kind of hard not to stop talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at myself because I do that a lot. So, Ben, we can run down through your top ten one more time. All right, number ten, One Night in Miami, nine, Sound of Metal. Eight Babylon, seven Banshees of Inisherin, six Ambulance. Just kidding. A Quiet Place Part Two. Which one's your favorite? Uh, number five, Summer Soul. <laughs> Four, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Three, The Fablemans. Two, Spider-Man, No Way Home. And number one, Top Gun Maverick. All right, so my top ten looks like this: Wakanda Forever. Number nine, Promising Woman. Number eight, my man Shang-Chi. That's not what it's called. It's not called my man Shang-Chi. It's just called Shang-Chi, by the way. Uh, the Legend Shang-Chi. of the Ten Rings. <laughs> yeah, it's full title. <laughs> Shang-Chi. Okay. Okay. Just just S-A-N-G Shang. Number seven, Glass Onion, a knives out mystery. Happy now? Yes. <laughs> Number six, Palm Springs, a Hulu original. Number five, <laughs> Spider-Man Colon, No Way Home. Number four, our friend. Oh, sorry. Number five, Marvel Studios, Spider-Man, colon, No Way Home. <laughs> Number four, our friend. Number three, Marvel Studios, Eternals. Number two, Warner Brothers DC, The Batman. And number one, Cha-Cha Real Smooth and Apple TV Plus original. Happy now, Benjamin. Excellent. Yep. All right. Before I smack you in the face, tell people where they can find us online. Well, you can find us on Instagram at the Infinity Film Podcast, and you can email us with your favorites of the last three years as well 2020 onward let us know and uh, let us know what you think about our list and uh yeah email us at rb.theinfinityfilmpodcast at gmail.com that's rb like rod ben.theinfinityfilmpodcast at gmail.com so ben of the films that you put together today mm-hmm. you can only choose two to keep forever which ones would those be you only get two. The other eight erase from your memory completely. Uh yeah, man. I guess it would be my. It would be my top two. Top Gun and uh and Spider-Man: Away Home. Yeah. I'm going with Cha Cha Real Smooth, and mm-hmm. yeah, probably say a term. I don't want No Way Home gone from my memory forever. But I've seen enough Spider-Man movies where I can... I don't know if I can live without No Way Home, though. But I love Eternals more. So I'm not going to answer this question. So anyway, guys, <laughs> thank you so much for listening. It's been a blast. We've had a ball. 
if you want to know what our future schedule looks like, we have some great stuff coming up in March. We've got a comic book film debate match coming up next week. We've got Ben's most anticipated episode coming up in a couple of weeks. This screen franchise retrospective. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. Woohoo! A Rod and Ben special coming up. <laughs> Lily James. Lily James, Ben. We're, we're going into that actress spotlight. Uh, yes. Show. Me too. A lot of sipping going to be going on in that episode. <laughs> not going to lie. Yep. But we don't care. Shit, we might even talk about Pam and Tommy. I don't even care. <laughs> She's fantastic in that show. Mm-hmm. And then an episode that has been in the banking for a thousand years, as long as the internals have been on Earth. Our top 10 animated films list we are finally going to put out. What? I know. Crazy. We've been talking about this almost as long as the Quentin Tarantino episode. <laughs> don't bring up that one again. You know, maybe Sorry. maybe sometime this year, Ben, we'll get around to that Disney retrospective parts or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, Anna's busy saving the world right now, so we can't really... Uh, That's true. Yep. Can't really do that right now. But Ben, I will tell you this. Mm-hmm. As we as we close here today, I started working on the April schedule because there's some things I want to do coming up in April that we just have to do. Right. There is a five-year anniversary coming up for a movie this year. Can you guess what movie that is we're going to be talking about in April? Uh, it's a movie from 2018. I guess math. Correct. <laughs> a Star is Born is the only thing that's coming to mind. Well, that didn't come but... out in April. That was in no. October. Right, right, right. I yeah, I don't know. Give me some clues, or just tell the audience. I, I could give you clues, <laughs> but I'm not going to for the sake of runtime. Yeah, true. All right. Um, and I can't believe you didn't know that Avengers: Infinity War is celebrating its five year anniversary. Oh, in the Infinity month of War! April. Yeah, yes, My yes. Goodness. Yep. We will be doing a five year anniversary special. So. A long time ago, I told Ben that he would never be friends with me if him and I's first episode was the Avengers of Any War spoiler review episode. This five-year anniversary will be the reason why we might not be friends anymore. <laughs> no, that'll be next year for Endgame. I don't even know if that's yeah. going to show up for that one. I'm over it. No, I'm not. I'm about to say. <laughs> All right. No, Lars. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Go home. But, uh... Yeah, there's some other stuff in there that I'm going to share with Ben off camera coming up in May. That's going to be really exciting. Cool. And you guys are just going to have to wait for a little bit longer for those who care. But uh, guys, thanks so much for listening. And until next time, we'll see you on the dance floor. Cha-cha now, y'all. Cha-cha again. Oh, gosh. Cha-cha now, y'all. Cha-cha again. Turn around. Yeah. To the left. Take it back now, y'all. One hop this time. How much does he remember? One hop this time. Right foot. Right, right foot. Something stop. Yeah. <laughs> Something stop. <laughs> All right. End of the episode. Now, y'all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.